0: Feeling. Thanks, you guys, for coming back for another episode. I really appreciate it. Any reviews on Spotify or an Apple are appreciated. I finally got it all on all of the sites. I'm extremely excited. Um, you know, let's make this thing. I think it's great. I, I really appreciate all the listens, all the love, all the reviews, especially when you guys interact with the Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok pages. You guys are awesome. I'm glad to know there's other Tennesseans out there who didn't like the snow as much as I did. But now it's just rainy and back in like the 50s. So, you know, you don't like the weather wait a week, it'll change or a day depending on where you're at in Tennessee. So today I want to talk about Tennessee, like real Tennessee, like old Tennessee. In fact, a really old small town in Tennessee. And Tennessee is full of some really unique and quaint small towns, but the one that stands out as not only one of my favorites, but also as the oldest. Do you know what I'm talking about? talking about Jonesboro, Tennessee. Jonesboro is the seat of Washington County, and it's located in the far northeast corner of Tennessee, and it was founded by European Americans in 1779, hence the oldest town in Tennessee. The town was actually founded 17 years before the state even became a state, and the area was originally part of North Carolina. It was also named after a North Carolina legislator, Willie Jones, who has supported the state's expansion across the Appalachian Mountains. The area of Jonesboro has a long history dating back to the original settlers that were here, and they were prehistoric mound builders. The Cherokee Chickasaw Creek and Shawnee also inhabited the area when Hernando de Soto visited the area in 1540. The town is actually located on land that belonged to the Cherokee and Uchi peoples. Now, the first settlers in the area were William and Lydia Bean, and they built a cabin on the Watuga River, And then settlers from Virginia and North Carolina soon followed into the area. The Beans actually settled here in 1769, but the town was not founded for another 10 years. The area was ever-changing in those 10 years, and I mean it grew. People were excited. They wanted to settle the new area. And Washington County was actually created in 1777 as one of the six counties on the western frontier. So remember, this is part of North Carolina, it's moving out, it's growing west, and this is their western frontier, because when I first read it, I was like, what? It's east, but you have to remember, we're talking about from North Carolina. And Washington County was actually the first county west of the mountains, and the General Assembly of North Carolina established Jonesboro as the seat of the newly formed Washington County in 1779. It's a very, very old town full of history, it's quaint, it's adorable, and it's you know it's interesting it's a really interesting little area now the area grew and even helped to fight off the british in the 1780s at the battle of king's mountain as they marched over the smokies as the over mountain men that's what they were named to defend their land and they wanted to keep their land now the area actually stayed together and even tried to form their own state in 1784 as the state of franklin A group from the area felt that they were not correctly represented in the Western District of North Carolina. So, on December 14th, 1784, the delegates met in Jonesboro and formed the new state of Franklin, named after Ben Franklin. And Jonesboro would again serve as its capital until they established a new one in Greenville. John Severe, who actually helped push for this new state, was elected as mayor in 1785. And Franklin actually functioned as the 14th state, but was never fully recognized by Congress. North Carolina eventually reclaimed Franklin after the Battle of the State of Franklin. This lost state actually lasted from 1784 to 1790. So they made it for a couple years. They had a good run, but unfortunately they were overtaken by a larger one. Now, it, didn't, it wasn't long, though, because Tennessee was officially made a state only six years later in 1796, and thanks to Andrew Jackson, who helped draw up a constitution for statehood. Tennessee had about 77,000 people in the area at the time, and Andrew Jackson actually spent a lot of time in Jonesboro It even served as attorney in the Western District of North Carolina. So he's kind of helped credited into creating Tennessee to be the state, the next state in the um, newly formed United States of America. And Tennessee elected John Sevier as its first governor. The Constitution draw, had, was drawn up and actually provided for universal male suffrage, including free blacks. So Tennessee was a little bit ahead of its time at that point. Now, in 1797, it brought changes to Jonesboro, and that's the, because the Chester Inn was built. The Chester Inn is actually still standing. It is the oldest building original to Jonesboro's commercial district. William Chester, a doctor, constructed the building so that he would capitalize on those traveling through the town via stagecoach. The wooden frame building is owned by the state of Tennessee now, and it's actually been restored. You can still see it to this day. But the inn was famous in its time. It was actually visited by a lot of famous people. It was uh, President Jackson, Johnson, and Polk all stayed there. And Jackson was also known for his time there as he helped put out a fire in the town And on another occasion, he was threatened with tar and feathering by John's severe supporters. So apparently Jackson's rowdy reputation didn't just start as his presidency. Um, Honestly, Andrew Jackson sounds like someone that you would have fun hanging out with. But you're just never quite sure what's going to happen when you're around them. I don't know. It sounds like a fun time to me. Now, Jonesboro continued to grow and even got a mail route twice a week in the 1800s. The area was actually growing like... More people were coming to it, and passenger, like, travel through was picking up, and the mail service actually ended up becoming three times a week by 1834, as it was a growing town. Now, Tennessee and the other bordering states were strong supporters of abolitionist activity, and East Tennessee was actually especially, they were actually Unionist. They were more Unionist-leaning than Southern. And the area actually had relatively few slaves compared to other parts of Tennessee. Elihu Embre of Jonesboro founded Manumission Intelligencer in 1819, and it was renamed the Emancipator a year later. And the town was actually considered a center for abolitionists, especially at this time. Um, you know, they were working for, they wanted free rights for everybody and basic human rights for everybody. And I think that was really cool that they were really ahead of their time on that one, especially for being a Southern state. Now, Jonesboro, of course, continued to grow, and by 1833, the town had almost 500 citizens with lawyers, doctors, two churches, clergymen, two academies, four schools, one printing office, four carpenters, cabinet makers, a blacksmith, taverns, tailors, shoemakers, a silversmith, and the town just continued to grow. I mean, it was actually experiencing a building boom, and it actually did experience a huge building boom in the 1840s, and that's when the st- style of the town kind of changed um it went from the wooden structures to the federal brick structures that you kind of still see today in downtown now of course there's ups and downs in each town and 1838 proved to be a bad year for the town as the Cherokee people were forcibly removed from their lands and that included the ones in northeast Tennessee and they were relocated to Oklahoma The Choctaw Creek Seminole and Chickasaw were also removed from their lands at the time. And it's estimated that 2,000 to 8,000 people died during the relocation, including some from this area. Now, 1857 brought more changes to the town as the railroad came to town. Like, they had been doing stagecoaches and traveling, and of course they were on the roads of the day, but now they had the railroad. And the railroad meant that the town was only going to grow more. And they had actually been working on getting a train to come for over a decade when it finally happened. The East Tennessee and Virginia Railroad Company was founded, thanks to the help of Doctor Samuel Cunningham and A. E. Jackson. Doctor Cunningham actually drove the first spike into the line in 1858, and that brought the just even more people to this growing town. And the train actually still comes through the town; is part of the Norfolk Southern line, and it does come daily. And I have relatives in Jonesboro, and I can tell you that it is absolutely daily. Um, I have family that lives right on the railroad track, and let me tell you, that that train is always on time. If it's not on time, you actually notice it, because you eventually just kind of get used to it. 1861 to 1865, again, was an entire bad time for the, not just the town, the state, but the whole country. And that's when the Civil War divided the town and country. Um, Washington County actually voted twice to not succeed from the Union. They wanted to stay. But, of course, they couldn't stop Tennessee from succeeding. They didn't do it on their own. The town didn't actually see any battles in the war, but it did feel the effects of it. The first regiments that came out of the town were for the South, um, and some of the prominent, high-ranking citizens, such as A.E. Jackson, who was a merchant, he was actually in one of those regiments. Now, the town had 952 enslaved people at the time of the war, and it was divided as the war happened, and both sides went through the town numerous times. I mean, just because they didn't see battle didn't mean they didn't see soldiers and things related to the war and the town actually remained divided until the end of the war. The ones who had supported the Confederacy were actually driven out of town a year after the war Um, because remember they didn't want to secede. They wanted to stay union. They were union supporters and so when you know when the union won they you know they they wanted everybody who didn't support that out. Now in 1873 a cholera pandemic hit the area and it had spread from New Orleans and it hit the area very hard. Of course, inadequate sanitation systems helped spread the pandemic and it absolutely spread. It swept across the entire country, not just Jonesboro. And the mortality rate was actually 40 to 60% because people didn't understand how disease spread at the time. The first case came to Jonesboro in July of 1873 and it spread rapidly. It hit the town hard. A lot of people actually fled the town for healthier areas to avoid getting the disease. 75 people, only 75 people remained in the town as 30 had died by August. Now 30 had actually contracted it and somehow recovered. I don't know what happened to the other 15, but once the town was free of the disease, uh, the residents slowly returned after the pandemic and Jonesboro began to grow again. Now Jonesboro was always a center for You know, abolitionist and, you know, kind of ahead of the curve. And they became a center for freedmen and a place where they were welcomed after the Civil War. The Warner Institute actually opened on 1876 on East Main Street as a school for freed slaves. The town also established College Hill Cemetery in 1896 as a final resting place for the African-American community. The cemeteries behind the Rocky Hill Cemetery, where which was the public burying ground at the time, Um, you can actually still see these cemeteries today. And of course as they grew they embraced new things. Uh, the club, Schulbert Club was founded in 1898 and they wanted to promote music and literacy in the town. They wanted culture and the members actually helped to found the first library. They bought books, they hired a librarian and they wanted to give the people the ability to read and to learn. They also supported musical events and it's actually still an active club in the town today. As you can see the town is completely full of history and it's a beautiful place to visit. It's quaint, it's very old Tennessee, and you can see this through historic old Jonesboro. You can visit the museum that tells about history and the heritage of tobacco farming, which was huge to that area at the time. You can still see the historic Chester Inn and walk through the historic district, which is on the National Register of Historic Places as of 1969. The oldest surviving building is the Chester Taylor House, which was built in 1777 and has been moved to the historic district. But the town's also home to something really cool. And I love this. It's home to International Storytelling Center. The town got started in storytelling in 1973 as a local teacher, Jimmy Neal Smith, set up a makeshift stage behind the mail pouch sign. And Appalachian storytellers came from all over. They shared their stories for small crowds and it grew. It grew so much that the International Storytelling Festival actually came out of this event and takes place the first full weekend in October three days of storytelling takes place as over 15,000 people come to share and even hear each other and just learn of Appalachian stories and cultures and how things used to be and how, you know, it's just, it's amazing. I've actually been, the festival has taken place for more than 35 years and it draws upon the Appalachian culture tradition of storytelling. And it's really cool. I mean, some of the stories are fiction. Some of the stories are based on fact. And It's just really interesting, and these people are really good. Um, They set up large tents around the parks, and they sit on stages to perform. The International Storytelling Center is on Main Street, and they do offer programs year-round. And this is just such a unique and interesting thing, especially to this area. The Appalachian storytelling is amazing. So if you're looking for something fun, especially in the fall, you can go up, you can see the leaves, you can feel the cool air, you might see a bear. But you can also interact in this storytelling program, and it's so cool. Now, of course, the town has grown and it's continued to grow. And in 1976, that was actually the first year that the town did something really kind of amazing. They actually elected their first woman mayor. Grace Hawes was elected and she was actually the ex-wife of former mayor Lyle Hawes. She wanted her own turn and she knocked on every door during her campaign and it worked. She won and she paved the way for future female candidates. And I think that's great. I can only imagine how she felt as being his wife when he was mayor and seeing what he did and the mistakes he made and i'm sure she did an amazing job now the town continues to grow and is home to about six thousand people and it continued to stick to its history as the oldest town in tennessee walk the quaint downtown explore the area there's many outdoor activities there's a repertory theater there's festivals in the town and they have a really cool page um, website for their town and you can see what upcoming events they have planned Now, the town has something really cool, and I, I love this, and it's called Jonesboro Days, and it happens each year, and it celebrates the history of the town. The event is usually in July, sometime around July 4th, and it has family activities, live music, crafts, amazing food, parades, and fireworks. And it's free to the public, and it draws huge crowds to the town. You can actually find various events going on in the historic district, such as crafters, storytellers, musicians... I love it. I love Jonesboro days. I recommend everybody to go at least once. It really brings people to the small town. It shows off their history. It's just so much fun and it's so family oriented. Um, The parade was so cool. It's just fun and they're just kind of like all over the little town. There's not just like one route. You just kind of get to explore all of Jonesboro and take it in. Jonesboro really does have something for everyone. You can explore Tennessee history, listen to storytelling, learn a new, or even learn storytelling. You can visit the local street market, eat the local food, or you know what? Maybe you might even run into the ghost of Andrew Jackson. That's right. A local legend in the town holds that the ghost of Andrew Jackson occasionally appears in the vicinity of the Chris, the, the Taylor House. The future U.S. president spent several months in the house. and Maybe he enjoyed it so much that he just hung around, but you won't know until you go. I hope that you guys had fun listening to my episode about Tennessee's oldest town. I think it's an amazing place. I think everyone needs to go once and to explore it. It's really cool. They seem like they're always ahead of their time, and I'm sure that Jonesboro will continue to grow throughout these, you know, even in the coming years, and I'm sure they're going to do something new and ahead of the curve again. I really appreciate you guys listening. Um, Don't forget, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You can email me at thattandfeeling at gmail.com. Send me a topic request, comments, just say hi. Tell me you hate the snow. (laughs) It's fine. I love interacting with you guys. Thank you again for listening. I hope that everybody has a great week and don't forget to stay country, y'all.